I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, an investment advisory practice. I've been an advisor for nearly 30 years, and one of the questions I get asked most frequently is, do I have enough money relative to other people my age? And while that's an interesting question, it's also the wrong question. The right question is, is do you have enough money to sustain your lifestyle for the rest of your life? This is a question you should know the answer to. This is what we do. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our Big Proud American Eagle logo. Welcome to a special edition of the Georgia 2024 show brought to you by the Georgia Record or georgiarecord.com and cdm.press as always. We wanted to bring you this special because there's a lot of conflicting information as to whether the counties in Georgia can control their own elections per, per home rule as we believe they can. So we decided to bring the expert on this, Garland Favorito of VoterGA.org, and he's going to talk with my co-host Bill Quinn at length about this issue. It's important because there's a lot of things going on locally at the counties that uh, we all know about and we're going to talk about here at Georgia Record over the next year. So with that, I want to bring you our special with Garland Favorito. Before we do that, please sign up for our no ad subscriptions. We need your support. We're supported by you, not by George uh, Soros or Zuckerberg. We don't have any Zuckerbucks. We just get Patriot Bucks. We have a no-ad no subscription, 10 bucks per month. Please sign up. It helps us stay on the air, helps us bring you this great reporting. You get access to all 12 of our sites globally without any ads. That's a big deal. So check us out. Thank you very much. Now let's get to the special. Thank you for joining us. This is a special edition of the Georgia 2024 show. We're joined today by Garland Favorito of Voter GA. He'll be sharing some information that he's designed to help empower the counties to take action. So Garland, thank you for joining us. Bill, thank you for having me again. So briefly, as we get started here, can you tell us what you've put together and in, in the, uh, the goal of what we're going to see next, please? Yeah, so what we uh, put together here um, at Voter GA is we put together a little slideshow to really brief the counties on a few things. Um, one is that the information that they may have gotten from the Secretary of State's office is flatly not credible in regards to the voting system. And then the second thing is that um, primarily is to empower them with the legal authority that they have, ensure they understand their own legal authority to conduct their own elections. Um, and we'll show you, you know, we have some code uh, sections of the, of the Georgia uh, Annotated Code to go through and try to explain that to both uh, board commissioners and um, election board uh, members. So both county county officials, potentially even the county attorneys and, and laymen that are involved in helping their counties understand their options can all benefit from this, right? Absolutely. I think they all can. All right. Shall we get started? I think so. All right. That's great. Well, all right. Here is, we go. Yeah. Okay. This is more or less the... Uh, summary side, but what we're, we're entitled in this is the local, a local election empowerment, 
and we want to primarily focus on the county legal authority. So the first thing is that there's a difference between what we're going to tell the folks and what they've heard from the Secretary of State's office. So we thought out of the box, we need to explain to the counties that the United States District Court has found that the Secretary of State's office is not credible, quote unquote. This came out of the Curling v. Ravensburger case, which I know you know a lot about, August 16th, 2019 uh, order. She issued two orders. They were both scathing against the Secretary of State's office. Mm. Those orders total 300 pages. And it, she's probably uh, uh, reviewed the most comprehensive set of evidence in a Georgia election case ever. And what she concluded was, uh, during uh, the first order, she said, uh, given, and this, this, this quote came in regards to the uh, elect Center for Election System servers that were found to be exposed to the internet um, and, uh, and worldwide, uh, basically for worldwide hacking. And this was back in 2017 uh, when Logan Lamb uh, uh, notified the Center for Election Systems uh, of the Secretary of State, that they were out in Kennesaw State, said, this system is exposed to the internet. This is the election server that preps all the counties. And they said, um, uh, and, and right after this curling Raffensburg suit was filed, uh, first of all, they never closed that gap uh, and it finally got shut down by Kennesaw State. But right after the shoot, suit was filed, they wiped the servers and never mitigated any of the, the risk involved uh, with finding out who, who was on the, um, uh, you know, who might have hacked in, uh, what did they get to see, how did we mitigate that? Nothing. They just cleaned the servers right after the lawsuit, Curling v. Raffensperger, was originally filed. And then they told that the, uh, the court that that was, um, that was standard procedure. So in response to their argument, Judge Totenberg wrote, given the entire course of events described here, the defendant's contention that the servers were simply repurposed and not intentionally destroyed or wiped is flatly not credible. So basically you have Judge Totenberg telling uh, them in an order publicly that they lied to him. And, and that, was not the, that was not the only thing that she was upset about. We could spend really 15 or 20 slides on all of the comments that she had where she was so frustrated with the false information she got out of the office. So if a judge is going to tell you they don't believe what you've told them, they, they call it not credible, I take it. Yeah, it's versus lying. You know, they, they try to be a little bit more tactful. Huh, I'll be darned. <laughs> Yeah, so the Secretary of State is making three arguments uh, that we think are not credible. Uh, and they're claiming that they have the authority to tell counties how to conduct elections. They're telling the counties this. They're not saying this publicly, but they're telling the counties behind the scenes. And they're claiming at the same time that the voting system is secure, compliant, working properly. And then they are arguing that the law, specifically 212300, which is a a code section in the Georgia Code, doesn't allow the counties to make those equipment changes. So we uh, want to counter those arguments. So, and here are our counters. First of all, which what we're going to see today is 
that the Secretary of State and the State Election Board and the governor have admitted in court that they have no legal authority over county elections. And we're going to show you that case. And then we all know, if you follow Voter GA and, and CD Media, we know that the United States District Court has found that this system that we're using is unverifiable to the voter and therefore illegal. Um, furthermore, the voting system was proven to be accurate in the DeKalb County uh, District 2 commission race in 2022. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And finally, as uh, most everybody uh, knows, the most recent development is that the experts agree with um, uh, Professor Halderman, uh, his security analysis, that the voting system is highly vulnerable to security risks that cannot be properly mitigated. So let me ask one question here. So uh, essentially, there's a previous case um, that uh, Pearson versus Kemp in which uh, the the secretary of state admitted, along with the state election board and the governor, they can't have or do not have legal authority over county elections. That's right. And that's the perfect lead in for the next slide, Bill. OK, perfect. <laughs> And there it is. This is exactly what you were talking about, Pearson v. Kemp. Um, and this is when the 2020 Republican electors sued to get a voting system forensic exam after all of the, the problems that were uncovered. And the defendants in this case were Governor Brian Kemp, Secretary of State Brad Ravensburger, and State Election Board. And there's the, the cover uh, page, what we call the title or case style of that uh, complaint that they filed uh, back in uh, December of, or November 29th of 2020. And here's the, the ruling, which is exactly what you just said. So uh, this, is, this is in the order that Judge Timothy Batten wrote. And he wrote in this order that during the hearing, the defendant's counsel argued that the Secretary of State has no lawful authority over county elections officials. So the Secretary of State is arguing that, and as his co-defendants are agreeing with him, which is the State Election Board and the governor. So they're all in agreement that the state has no authority over county elections to produce county election results, and, uh, or anything to do really with county elections. They say flat, no legal authority, period. And that's consistent with what we know because counties are responsible for, for producing election results. I think most everybody knows that states don't, don't pr produce results. So um, this is totally consistent and different than what the Secretary of State is, is telling the counties behind closed doors. Well, I think, too, it's also, if we take just a moment to, to expand this just a little bit, the the same thing, the same um, assertion is also being made by some of uh, the county attorneys or the county boards saying, well, wait a minute, we, we have to comply with what we are told to do by the Secretary's of State, uh, Secretary of State's office. And in a in, uh, essentially, this document, this case says the exact opposite. They are the counties are free to do as they as they uh, deem is proper. Exactly. And that is an official court document. Uh, and that was uh, all of the, of the state defendants admitting that the governor, secretary of state and the state election board. I think this would be this. This will be fascinating for many people to hear and learn and, and look up. Okay, yeah, we hope so. 
And then here's one that we probably talked about on the show before. I think everybody knows this one. Uh, Judge Totenberg cited the law that the voting system must print an elective verifiable paper ballot that um, produces the ballots that are marked with the elector's choices in a format readable by the elector. And we all know that the elector's choices are in a QR code that is accumulated. Uh, So uh, she says that the plaintiffs and other voters who wish to vote in person are required to vote on a system that does none of those things. And that was in her October 11, 2020 ruling. And what that means is that the November 2020 election was conducted on a system that the United States District Court found is in violation of two Georgia laws. Wow. And so since that is a legal uh, bill, uh, what we put into this uh, um, this presentation as well, we want to mention that under Georgia court precedents, that the Dominion contract specifies the barcode, the, the contract that Brad Ravensburger and I believe Gabe Sterling signed with Dominion. It specifies that barcode read by a tabulator, and that is illegal according to the United States District Court. So contracts having an illegal purposes are void in the state of Georgia. And here we cite three court precedents that a contract to do an illegal thing is void uh, for the purpose or object of a contract to be illegal, thereby making the contract void, the contract must require a violation of law when performed. And that's exactly what that contract did. It required a violation of law uh, to be performed and therefore the contract between Dominion and the state of Georgia should be voided. Mm. So that, that's the legality issues um, and the authority issues. We're gonna move on to the accuracy issues. So in 2020, a lot of folks don't know about Coffee County, uh, how the machines failed uh, in there. And, and, and they, uh, the machine actually produced 39 new votes during the 2020 recount. But the voting system had no change in ballots cast. So there was no change in ballots cast, but during the recount, the voting system added 39 new votes to the totals for reasons that are still unknown. The uh, Coffee County then found uh, 185 new ballots that weren't counted. They added those in and scanned those and the system uh, failed to recognize any of them and produce the same results. Um, the Secretary of State didn't resolve any of these problems. In fact, they uh, attacked the elections director, and they're still attacking the elections director over this, which is just absolutely bizarre. And uh, nevertheless, the county election boards did testify to both the Georgia House and the Senate back in December 2020 about the, the problems they encountered. They even uh, provided uh, 13 megabytes of documentation, which we have linked into voter GA press releases at the time. You can go up and see all that uh, going back to that point in time in 2020. So uh, that is one example of the inaccuracies that occurred in 2020. There's there's one thing that I want to make sure people spot here, and that is, you know, there's a lot of folks that go and, and testify before their county uh, commission, before their election board, and, uh, and they're pointing out their concerns and, and bringing data and so forth. But I want to make sure that they spot that um, within this, you're describing 
an election board itself testifying before the House and Senate committees uh, going back now three years, essentially, or almost three years. So it isn't just the citizens in the local counties that are going forward. In some cases, it's the actual counties and election boards from those counties as well. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And they were, the election board was very frustrated um, and they fully backed their, their director on this. All right. So there was another inaccuracy uh, that you're aware of, Bill, and that was in 2022. Mm -hmm. The county, the, the candidate there in the District 2 commission race was Michelle Long Spears, and she had no votes in the precinct where she and her husband lived and voted. Um, she reported that to DeKalb County. They tried to run a machine recount. It failed just like it failed in Coffee County. And they postponed certification uh, to do a hand count audit of the District 2 commission race. And the next slide will show you what they found out. And there it is. So um, that's a little complicated slide to read. But basically, the bottom line is shown by the bottom graph, which is the hand count audit results. You can see if you look at Michelle Long Spears total in the top uh, little graph there, she only had a thousand votes according to the machines. But in reality, the hand count audit showed that she had 4,000 votes and she was shorted 3,000. 1,400 of those went to her opponent, Marshall Orson, and another 1,805 were failed. Uh, they basically, the system failed to count any of those. Wow. So 3,000 votes out of, it looks like the total race would have been 15,000 and change. So near nearly 20%. Is that what I'm saying here? 20%, that's right. Of the votes were recorded incorrectly. Wow. What a huge error. Um, especially when you consider that... Uh, the error rate is supposed to be a fraction of a percent, if I recall correctly, on a, exactly. on a, a large basis. And a very small fraction at that. Yes. Um, so the now the Secretary of State claims that this counting failure was, was what we call a candidate alignment problem, which is true. There is a candidate alignment problem that caused some of those votes to be shifted, like the 1,400. But that doesn't really explain why 1,805 votes were not counted at all. That behavior is identical to the Williamson County, Tennessee era. And that era was confirmed by the Tennessee Secretary of State, the Elections Assistance Commission, and Dominion Voting System themselves. Uh, there's no dispute about that era occurring, and it appears to be the same era in DeKalb, and yet the Secretary of State would not investigate that. And the other interesting thing about that, Bill, is that this was the only 2022 primary race that was fully audited. And this is the same primary where Brad Radensberger declared himself the winner while at the same time keeping all the ballots secret and not auditing a single race in that primary. So the only race that was audited showed that the system had declared the wrong winners and that means that the Dominion voting system had a 0% accuracy rate in audited races in the May 24, 2022 primary for candidates. Mm. Not, not, a, uh, not a positive prospect here, obviously. Yes, zero is a low number. 
<laughs> okay, one more uh, uh, situation, which is still unexplained, and that is the um, primary inaccuracy between and Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock's race. The, the votes show, uh, this is the GPB um, uh, Twitter feed, I believe, and that shows that at around 10.01 or 10.02 p.m., Herschel Walker lost 21,586 votes, while Raphael Warnock's votes went up by 4,036, and Chase Oliver's votes went up by 336, Chase being the Libertarian uh, candidate for the U.S. Senate. So uh, that is still unexplained. Uh, that's been confirmed. We confirmed that not only with GPB, but WSB-TV and the Edison Media Line feed, which comes from uh, Clarity Election, Seidel, mm-hmm. which is owned by Seidel. And uh, all that data is obtained directly from the counties. So how is it that that data uh, showed those results? We've asked the state election director about that. He said, I'll get back with you tomorrow on it. And about three months later, he never, he still hadn't answered the question. Hmm. He finally said, well, gee, those are not our numbers. Hmm. Oh, interesting. No, the numbers, as I understand it, coming out of Edison or AP or the others that, that provide them should always be incremental. Is that, is that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Bill. They should always go up. Mm -hmm. There is a case if a county backed, uh, backed out results that, the the votes for all candidates could decline, but there would never be a case. There should never be a case where one candidate's votes go up and the other candidate's votes go down. Right, because they come in in batches that would affect all candidates potentially in the race. Exactly. That's huh. exactly how fascinating. So the Georgia, in regards to accuracy, Georgia's voting system accuracy laws say that, and there's several of them on the books, depending upon how which where you want to, uh, uh, how you want to categorize the system we're using. But it says it shall, when properly operated, record correctly and accurately count every vote cast. Well, we know just from what we've seen in the last three slides that there were count actually errors in 2020 and 22 that were never resolved. And the only primary race in 23 that was fully audited found that the voting system declared the wrong winners. So uh, we believe that certainly should be grounds to do something about it for the kids. Yep. And then finally, you know, Bill, the most recent hot topic is the uh, Professor Haldeman security analysis. And, um, you know, we had a show on this, I believe, not that long ago. But just to go to the bottom line of this whole report, he said that this system was developed without sufficient attention to security during design, software engineering, and testing. And he said that it would be extremely difficult to retrofit security into a system that was not initially produced with such a process. Um, And uh, we've been saying the same thing at Voter GA for many years as well. And finally, he concludes, uh, again, the same thing that we have said, is that no grand conspiracies would be necessary to commit large-scale fraud. Hmm. So, un- understanding these points, when you look at uh, the statements of, of for example, Ke- Kelly Loeffler calling for a patch to be applied to the systems, um, these things from Halderman suggest that a patch is is just not going to solve these problems. Is that 
Is that my correct? Uh, Absolutely, assumption? Bill. And you know, what good does it do to do a patch if you still have the ballot secret and you're counting the results in secret? Uh, it's a complete diversion. Uh, really uh, disappointed to with Kelly Loeffler for coming out with that uh, diversion, uh, but. Uh, and that's probably about the most polite thing I could say about it. Okay. So the Secretary of State tried to counter the um, Halderman analysis with a MITRE report. And this is uh, just really uh, almost humorous. It's so bad. So this MITRE report that he uh, references in a, in a letter to the counties uh, he said, that, first of all, the problem with the report is that it was unsigned. There wasn't a single expert in the entire country or even the entire world that would put their name on the MITRE report. It was that bad. Uh, the report was funded by Dominion Voting Systems. It was produced without access to a voting system. They produced this whole report, never even touched a voting system. And the premise of the report was that it was uh, based on uh, perfect security controls that exist. And we already know that that's not true. Uh, so that's all, all crazy. So as a result of all these uh, ridiculous uh, things, um, 29 experts who are computer science academics or cybersecurity experts sought a retraction of that report from the president and CEO of MITRE saying that the report was, quote, unquote, ridiculous. And three times in their letter, they say that the report is, quote, unquote, dangerous because uh, it could mislead people into having uh, setting up their systems for election fraud. Hmm. So I just wanted to throw in one slide here about why we think Halderman is correct. Um, first of all, and Haldeman points this out very uh, clearly in his report. He says that LA testing cannot, logic and accuracy testing cannot ensure the system will count accurately on election day. And he, he mentions that the, the system can count differently on different days, or it can count differently after a certain number of ballots are cast. And in that case, um, he points out that logic and accuracy testing only requires one ballot to be cast. Uh, so be tested. So that is wholly inadequate to ensure anything is going to count uh, accurately on election day. Um, the counties have no means to detect malware that's delivered to their servers. Um, and the federal certification tests are funded by the voting system vendors. And even still, they are certified to 2005 voluntary voting system standards. I don't know how anybody's still using a 2005 computer or phone. So uh, in addition, another grave concern is that all the voting systems and the hardware they use, such as Dell or HP servers, use many foreign components in the supply chain, and ex ex especially those from adversarial countries like China. Um, and they're nearly, uh, nearly all of the systems are assembled in foreign nations. Uh, we also know from a Michigan cybersecurity report, uh, and I think there's a, a confirming report, that the uh, Dominion installation activities 
uh, they actually enable or activate the wireless profiles and the drivers to use the native Dell chipset on the election management server. So the county's election management serv servers are Dell servers and they use chipsets and they have chips uh, in there that come from China and Dominion activates the wireless profiles and drivers in those chipsets while at the same time claiming that their systems are not connected to the internet. Um, that seems to be um, hip hypocritical. And then finally, uh, the, probably one of the most significant points is that no study has ever at any time found that electronic voting systems are secure. Uh, no one is willing to put their name on a study that claims, claims these voting systems are secure, even the, worst, even the better ones. So I have one question on this, especially as it relates to supply chain. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, wasn't it a few years ago that um, certain Huawei systems and chips were banned in certain applications because of concerns about uh, our communications infrastructure within the U.S.? Yeah, I believe that's true, uh, Bill. The, the Department of Defense um, um, does extensive chest, uh, testing on anything that they use, and I believe that they did uh, ban them. There's a great presentation out on, at the moment of truth on uh, Frank's speech that was done by Sean Smith last year, and he goes through a lot of that information and how, how rigorous the Defense Department testing is compared to uh, you can just buy, buy anything uh, uh, in regards to running an election. Yeah, it, it begs the question, if they would go to that extent for, um, you know, for uh, communications infrastructure, why would you bypass doing it for elections infrastructure? Exactly. And when elections are that important. So that brings us to the legal aspect and the argument that the Secretary of State is making on the code. And the reference that always comes up is 212-300, one of the code sections. And that code section says, the equipment used for casting and counting votes in county, state, and federal elections shall be the same in each county in this state and shall be provided to each county by the state as determined by the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State has determined that um, he's going to deliver this system, uh, which he has, uh, which is a QR code voting system that the, that the court says found is illegal. So what does this actually say? Um, the, does this mean that the, the county's uh, hands are completely tied and can't do a thing? Well, first of all, it does prevent counties, from our perspective, from changing vendors or model types. So they could not necessarily go out and buy competing vendors' uh, hardware or change the model tops within dominion of the system they're using. I think that is, um, uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, pretty obvious that we would, I would concur with that part of it, but it doesn't prevent counties from configuring the number of each type of equipment they need. For example, almost every county has a different number of ballot marking devices and scanners that they employ because they're different sizes. Mm -hmm. So the counties can determine the number of each type of equipment that they, uh, they uh, would like to, to use. And if that number happens to be zero because they can find a cheaper and better way to do it, then that is their prerogative under the law. And that the established precedent is the last two years when 21 300 was in, in play. 
And, and, and again, this is consistent with the fact that the counties have always had authority to, yep. to, uh, to um, do, you know, produce their results. So, so 212-334, 212-366 um, override, we believe clearly override 212-300. Um, 212-334, and we'll show you the statutes, that allows the county election boards to authorize the use of hand-marked paper ballots and count it. 212-366 allows county commissions to authorize the use of optical scan uh, equipment uh, in lieu of, of the ballot marking devices. And uh, for example, they could use hand-marked uh, paper ballots uh, optically scanned. And then 212-300 does not prevent the counties from using hand-marked paper ballots hand-counted at the precincts. And they could still be published on the Dominion EMS service so that the counties work in compliance with 212-300. One of the points that you made uh, a moment ago, I think is worthwhile to call out a little bit. You mentioned cost savings potentially. So um, it was, uh, I think about three and a half months ago that even a small city, the city of Milton, after analyzing their costs, um, elected to step away from Fulton County who had been administering their elections and begin to do them on their own using paper and hand counting. And they reported that um, after um, quite, a, quite a bit of analysis, they found a quarter million dollars in savings just in the first year by moving to paper and hand counting and, and still um, be able to effectively complete the elections. So um, I think it, it bears um, investigation certainly at the county levels, because if it was a small city or relatively small city can accomplish that, you would think that a county could do even better. Yeah, and Bill, the reason that's true is because when the Secretary of State purchased this system, they backloaded a lot of the expenses onto the counties, expenses for certification, for testing, for uh, logistics, for maintenance, all those expenses are uh, backloaded uh, in the uh, into under the counties. They, uh, Fulton County even had to buy privacy panel uh, um, hardware to make sure that you can't watch the other voter vote. So that's why why it's so much cheaper to uh, do it as you said with handmarked paper ballots and as Milton found out, uh, hand counting at the precinct. So, so, Bill, here's the code 334. We wanted to show this for the counties. Uh, the use, it says the use of voting machines, when the use of voting machines is wholly or in part not practicable, uh, the superintendent may arrange to have the voting system for such candidates or offices or for such questions conducted by paper ballots. Uh, the primary election shall be conducted by the poll officers and the ballots shall be counted. By that, they mean hand counted. So that is the authorization right there in OCGA 212-334 that overrides uh, 212-300. Right. Uh, the discussion of, of this, and uh, I believe it's 366, often comes down to a sense of the meaning of the word practicable. Do you Have you formed a, a, an opinion about a good way for counties and other entities to look at the meaning of that word? I did, Bill, and it's on our last slide. But the, they are some of the county attorneys are arguing that that practicable means that the system has to be um, 
um, struck by lightning. Uh, so and 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 totally unusable. Uh, we think that an illegal, inaccurate voting system that's unsecure uh, would and unverifiable the voter certainly would meet the definition of not practicable. Right, especially when it's been deemed to be illegal based on a district court finding. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and then uh, finally, the 212-366 is the other uh, statute we want to look at before we close up. And the governing authority of any county or municipality uh, can authorize and direct the use of optical scan voting systems for recording and computing the vote at elections held in the county or municipality. The governing authority shall purchase, lease, rent, or otherwise procure optical scan voting systems. So if they want to. So um, as long as they conform to the requirements of this part. So basically what that's telling, any election that's held in the county uh, can be uh, um, determined, uh, the method can be determined by the county commission. So, so here's the status, and this gets to your point, Bill, uh, what we were just talking about. Uh, uh, the, the, the U.S. District Court has found that the system is unverifiable to voters, and therefore they've ruled that it's illegal. And we've shown you two examples of 2020 and 2022 elections that prove that the voting system is not accurate. Um, the experts agree now the voting system was not designed, engineered, or tested properly for election security, and it cannot be retrofitted. And Dr. Haldeman's conclusion is backed by 29 cybersecurity and information technology uh, uh, experts. And you know, I've been in the field for 40 years and 20 years in electronic voting. I'll be the number 30 on that one. It's just not, uh, it's, it just can't work. It cannot be retrofitted. Nevertheless, Secretary of State continues to count votes in secret and and prevent ballots from being unsealed. And that's the, that's the status of our elections. So there's, so there's some options for the counties. They can use hand-mic paper ballots. They can, we talked about that. Or they can hand count all the races publicly. They can audit all the races uh, before certification and transfer the ballots to the court. Um, and uh, they could also should seek a court order to unseal all previous and future ballots so they can determine if the system has been counting right all along and will count right, uh, count right in the future. So uh, all of these options are necessary to verify results and detect counterfeit ballots, and they can still be employed while the county continues to use the Dominion Election Management Server. So that gives us to the bottom line of where you were going, Bill, about the definition of impracticable. So basically, we're out of time for the elections and in 2024. And the county's attorneys, are, they're going to have to assert their county authority, declare the voting system is impracticable, and protect the 2020 votes of their constituents. If they don't do that, if they claim they can't, their hands are tied by the word impractical, which is really impractical, which is really bad, then they're going to continue to advocate secretly counting votes 
with an illegal, unverifiable, inaccurate, and unsecure system. I think that's an unacceptable position for any county attorney in the state of Georgia to take. Yeah, and I think that uh, the citizens, too, are they feel that we are approaching a, a critical juncture, and you can kind of sense that they're pushing even even that much harder to say we've got to get to a point of resolution on some of these issues. There's just there's just too many. Um, well, this is uh, this, this is fascinating. Have you been able to gather a, a sense from the counties and the folks that you deal with? Um, how many are, are already, you know, looking at this and, and thinking about a plan to actually move to something different? Well, there, I think there's several out there that are doing that right now. Um, there's going to be more. I think that the county election boards are under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and um, the constituents are up in arms. They do not want to use this system for the 2024 presidential primary. They should not be required to use it. Uh, it is, uh, again, you know, illegal, unsecure, inaccurate, and unverifiable to the voter. Uh, it's absurd that Secretary of State would um, continue to advocate this, but he has a $100 million mistake with Georgia taxpayer money, and he is going to uh, go to his grave uh, trying to defend this system, which is it's really completely corrupt, as we've seen from the evidence of, uh, presented here today. It's not my me saying that's that's the actual evidence that that exists. And uh, I, I don't I see like that you have to come to that conclusion if you really look at the facts of the yeah. of this whole situation. Yeah. And it, as you say, this is you you concur with these findings, but this is the work of hundreds, maybe thousands of people over the last couple of years digging in and actually researching these systems. We didn't even get into uh, Dr. Haldeman's background, but he has a very rigorous background, not just in this study, but in others. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, is very, you know, bipartisan. There's no, uh, after looking at his background myself, there, there appears to be no um, partisan um, thinking really at all. It's about facts, data, um, research and testing. Well, yeah, um, what's what's interesting about him, Bill, is that um, in 2006, as a graduate student at Princeton, he was on the team uh, that uh, of Dr. Ed Felton's, and Dr. Felton hacked the uh, old Debo system that we used to use in front of the United States Congress's uh, Committee on House Administration. So uh, Dr. Haldeman was a part of that as a student. Wow. So let's let's look positively forward uh, for a moment. Let's say counties are interested in moving forward. They think they've got a good idea, but they want to they want to bounce ideas off someone. Um, talk to me about um, anything that they can do along with your team to to investigate further, to you know, uh, litmus test ideas and and try to form a plan for moving forward. Well, we're making ourselves available, uh, Bill, to uh, the counties, uh, any of the county boards or or either whether it be the election board or the commission uh, that is really seriously interested in protecting the votes of their constituents uh, for the 2024 election, we will bend over backwards to do uh, anything and everything that we can to help them do that. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure uh, folks have gotten uh, more information um, in this session. Uh, I bet we'll have others as we go forward. And, and of course, other Um, activists are also uh, lining up to be able to uh, echo um, your thoughts and your findings. So thank you for making time. 
And uh, I think I think we're hopefully pointing out how folks can move forward in a positive way. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Bill. And thank you to CD Media. Well, we hope you enjoyed the special of the Georgia 2024 show talking about home, home rule provisions in counties in Georgia with Garland Favorito. We will be back Sunday, as always, at 2 p.m. on Sunday. We have a packed show. Uh, the Georgia 2024 show is getting very popular. So uh, please join us in. Thank you. <laughs>